But the thing you have to keep in mind before you give up is that if you give up, the guarantee is it will never happen. You push through it and you'll make it through the day. No matter how bad things get, life is beautiful and things will always be better. Scared? Alone? Unsure of what's to come? This podcast is for our brothers and sisters who struggle with homelessness. Join us on this journey to improve our mental health, to challenge what's possible, to become who we are. Let's ignite hope one spark at a time and set our dreams on fire. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Street Strong community. So grateful to have all of you here, a podcast dedicated to those folks who are struggling with homelessness. Of course, it's also for anybody who's curious about mental health, who's curious about growth and hope and despair, motivation, sobriety, trauma, you name it. We try to cover a lot of ground in this podcast. A special thanks to every single one of you who are tuning in today. We're so grateful for everybody out there. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about trauma. And I want to say before we even begin that my words cannot necessarily do a justice to how complex a topic this really is. Okay, it's a complicated topic, but it's so important. It's so critically important. And I really ask um, that you all huddle around if you're in a shelter, if you're listening to this in your car, or in the back of an alley, that you huddle around and you tune in and you listen close uh, because we're going to go over some pretty powerful stuff today. And I hope, I hope this gives you some insight into maybe some of the struggles you've had in your life or someone close to you. I'm hoping that that insight, that perspective might lead you to seek some help, get looked at, revisit um, some memories that maybe need to be processed or talked about. If you're ready, if you're able to do that, okay? Of course, you don't have to. You're in total control. But we're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about what is trauma. We're going to talk about what are trauma symptoms. We're going to talk about homelessness and trauma, specific issues related to homelessness and trauma. We're going to talk about when to seek help and practical tips that you can take today to help you cope with some of these traumatic symptoms. And lastly, we're going to wrap up talking about faith. Now, for those of you out there that are religious, for those of you out there that are not religious, the faith I'm talking about is not the same kind of faith we normally think about. Okay, full disclosure, I am a person of faith. I consider myself a person of faith, but I'm not talking about the faith in a in a church or in a synagogue or in a mosque. And those are those are great kinds of faith. But I'm going to talk about faith and mental illness 
I'm going to talk about the kind of faith that anybody can have regardless of what kind of religion they participate in. And I, I really want to talk about that. And, and I, I, I can't wait for us to get to that subject. That's towards the end of this podcast because I find it to be so powerful and so important for us to chat about. The, the things that I'm going to talk about as it relates to faith are things that I'm discovering in the last year volunteering on Skid Row that I had never really known before. I'd never seen the world that way, and I had never seen mental mental health that way or mental illness that way. So I can't wait for this podcast. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's get right into it right now. So, you know, when it comes to trauma... I like to keep things simple. And it's a fact that all of us out there have one thing in common. All of us out there were born into this world innocent, vulnerable, pure, crying, just delivered into the world, trying to do our best, delivered into this world, not knowing what the heck we're getting into, helpless at the mercy of other people, caregivers, our community, our nation. But after that, things change. After that, life starts to happen. And experiences change us. If we're lucky, experiences will help us grow. Experiences will help us learn and become better people. Experiences will open new horizons. Experiences will make us wise and patient and kind. But there are some experiences out there, and I've seen them on Skid Row. I've heard stories on Skid Row. There are some experiences that are terrifying, violent, they violate our sense of trust. They are the kinds of experiences that change us and make the world feel very unsafe. They make our bodies feel very unsafe. These are the kinds of experiences that make us doubt whether or not we can continue to press on and have hope. They make it hard to concentrate. They make it hard to live our lives. And rather than go into 20 different textbook definitions of trauma, before I even go into what trauma technically is, I want to just distill it down to my experience as a mental health nurse practitioner, my experience working with folks on the street, my my Tommy's definition, Tommy's definition of trauma, take it or leave it, my friends, is something that happens to you that changes the way you relate to the world in a in a in a way that makes it harder for you to function. Okay? Now it changes the way you look at the world in a way that becomes much harder to function. To me, 
based on all of the people I've seen on Skid Row in all my years of mental health, that seems to be the most... I think that's just the most bread and butter definition we can all relate to. Okay? So I want you to think right now. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, think about if you've been through some things in your life that looking back on it may have really changed the way you look at the world, maybe the way that you think about the future, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about others. Try to reflect just for a few moments. If there were experiences that really changed how you present to the world. And if you were different from those ex from 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 bef if you were different after those experiences. This is serious stuff. And at the end of the day it's very basic stuff. Right? This is not about a checkbox of symptoms. It's not about a label of post traumatic stress. Right? This is about bad things that happen that make it harder for us to get excited in the world, to grow, to learn, to change, to care, to love, to relate. Right? And I don't care if if you fit that definition in a textbook or not. The point is, if that has happened to you, it might be worth talking to somebody. It might be worth getting screened for something like this. Now, trauma literally, I think it's Latin, could be Greek, doesn't really matter. It literally means a wound, a shock, or an injury. Okay? A wound, a shock, or an injury. Now, it's, you know, trauma is our experience of that event or that event that happened to us. And it normally gets so overwhelming, we can't really process it. We can't really process this stuff. It could be a motor vehicle accident, physical violence, sexual assault, combat, earthquakes, house fires, the death of somebody close to us that happened in a very unusual, unpredictable, violent way. Any kind of major disruption. That's what we're talking about when we talk about trauma. And there's a million different kinds. That doesn't even scratch the surface, but that gets us a little bit closer. right? We're talking about major upheavals in our lives. And it can become so overwhelming that we don't really know how to emotionally process this stuff. We don't really know how to make sense of what happened to us in a way that allows us to navigate the world more confidently and more safely. And that's really the key here. Trauma does not discriminate. It does not discriminate. It touches the lives of the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the strong and the vulnerable. It reminds us that we all have a shared humanity, that we're all vulnerable, that we're all human, and our experience here on Earth is fragile. 
It also reminds us that everyone around us is not necessarily, it's not like they're bad people. It's not that they're angry. It's not that their character is different and you have to dislike them. A lot of people have been through stuff and they're responding to that stuff. And so we make judgments about people, but we really don't know what's happened to them. I've met so many people on Skid Row that are angry or they're short with people or, you know, they get into to scuffles with people and people get into scuffles with them. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of it's trauma, right? A lot of it is that things have happened to you and you don't really feel safe in the world. And, and that's kind of the priority. So getting along with other people doesn't always fit. And we're going to talk about why that is pretty soon. You know, and the big takeaway here, my friends, is that trauma is much more than a word. It's an experience. And it deeply affects the mind, the body, and the soul. These, these experiences, these events, they shake us to our core. They leave wounds that are not visible to the naked eye but they're felt very deeply in the heart. And, and so it's, it's worth it that we, that we all have a little more compassion for one another because these wounds are so invisible. If we had physical wounds all over our body, if I walked to a 7-Eleven right now and my head was disfigured, or if I had like three eyes or a broken leg and I was limping and falling in the aisle that they sell string cheese in. Um, random analogy, I know. But, but you get my point, right? People, I hope, would help me. Or people would feel sorry for me. People would maybe let me go first in line. I would be treated more kindly because my wounds are visible, right? But with trauma, they're invisible. They're invisible. And so when we are short with people, when we feel closed off and we avoid other people and we keep to ourselves, people, people might think we're rude or that we don't want to be friends or that our personality is kind of strange. But in reality, we're just trying to feel safe in this crazy world. And so trauma is not just a word. It's an experience. It's an experience. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the brain. And this is the part that I love. I love talking about this because it, it, it's, fa to, to be honest, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Now, now, folks who have been through trauma, been through some terrible things, believe it or not, your brain is... The whole job of your brain is to keep you safe, is to anticipate. The brain's job is to try and predict whether or not you are in a safe situation or not. Are you safe or are you not? That's the brain's entire job. Okay? And if you've been through something terrible or terrifying, if you've been through something that really shook you to your core, the brain is going to do whatever it can to, to try and alert you, to alert you 
to that danger and to make sure you are not in danger anymore. That's what the brain is going to do. Because the brain has very little interest in truth. The, the brain actually doesn't care that much if it's right or if it's wrong. The brain's job is to keep you alive. The brain's job is for you to survive, right? And with trauma, it acts like a smoke detector that will, will, will even start beeping when you blow out a candle, right? You blow out a candle and the entire house just starts beeping so loudly that the windows break right? That's trauma, right? That's trauma. Now we're getting close, right? That's this. It's a smoke detector that's way too sensitive. Now, I don't want you to interpret that. I don't want you to think, oh my God, what do you mean? I'm that, does that mean I'm sensitive? No, not at all. And I would also caution you. It's not you. We're not talking about you. See, this is the fascinating part about all this, right? This is the trauma and its effect on you. We really start to beat ourselves up when we say, I'm sensitive, or I'm a failure, or I'm bad, or I shouldn't be doing this. No, 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 no. Trauma happened to you, and you are trying to cope with trauma. But you are not a bad person. You are not a, a defective person. The trauma is, is changing your behavior because you're trying to cope with it. Okay, so here's your brain. It's gone through something really bad and it's trying to alert you to danger in the future. And it's you're better off. You're better off hearing that smoke detector go off so that you can get the heck out of the house. And, and guess what? As, as, as this is what your brain is thinking. Your brain is thinking, well, I'm going to alert them every single time to the smoke detector because I know they'll be safe. I know they're going to be safe. But for folks who are dealing with that fight or flight fear all the time, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments, but for folks who are dealing with that, that's pretty exhausting and it's pretty scary, right? Because you're constantly having to run out of the house because you're hearing these alarms and you're terrified, right? But the brain is sitting there going, whoa, whoa, buddy, buddy, we're not trying to scare you. We just want to keep you safe because let's say, and I'll give you guys an example, uh, uh, 10 years ago, I was walking down in a, in a street in, in, in San Diego and somebody punched me randomly, okay? I didn't deserve it. There's plenty of times in my life I did deserve it, okay? Believe it or not, this time I did not deserve it. This guy, I think he was just drunk. He was, he was on the moon and he decided to just punch me in the face. I fell to the ground. I was bleeding and, and what happened next is, you know, I was kind of in a daze. I didn't really know what was going on, but after that event, you know, my brain has kept me a little more alert on the street. Now I don't really want to be alert on the street anymore because I recognize like, Hey, not everybody walking down the street is just going to punch me in the face. I mean, there's little old ladies that are carrying grapefruits back from the store. They're not going to, I mean, odds are, odds are nine times out of 10, probably nine times out of 10, that little old lady is not going to drop her grapefruits 
grape. Is that a tongue twister? I can't say grapefruits and beat me over the head or punch me in the face, right? But my brain doesn't care. My brain, my brain has registered. It has said, Tommy, you're outside. You're walking on a street. I want you to avoid everybody and everything because I know I can keep you safe. Okay. So here I am in fight or flight. Sometimes I don't even realize I'm in fight or flight. I got blood, you know, I got adrenaline in my veins when I'm on the street. I don't even realize that I'm tense until I think about it later, right? Because my brain's already doing its job and trying to keep me safe, okay? Now, I also want to be clear, okay, that not everybody who experiences these kinds of events becomes traumatized. That's another episode. That's another concept. But not everybody will always 10 out of 10 times get traumatized and have PTSD and all these symptoms. Okay. And, and there's many reasons for that. We'll talk about that in a different episode. So I don't want you to think that just because this stuff happened, you definitely have trauma. Again, going to a professional is probably the best thing to at least get screened for this kind of stuff to see if this is happening to you. But getting back to that little old lady, you know, it doesn't help me now, you know, 10 years later, it doesn't help me to be so, to be so on alert, to be so fight or flight when I'm walking past little old ladies, right? And, and because, because how many people have I walked, how many people have I walked in front of on the street in my life? Thousands, probably, I don't know how to even count that. 25,000. I used to live in Chicago. I used to live in Washington, D.C., in Boston. Probably 50,000, 100,000 people have walked by me. One of them, one of them punched me in the face. Okay. And I barely felt it. I'm extremely tough. So, so why am I so alert? Well, because my brain's doing its job as the oversensitive smoke detector. And that leads us right into our next section about what are trauma symptoms. And I already shared a little bit here. I gave you a sneak peek, right? But one of those symptoms is that you're constantly on alert, right? You don't feel safe. There's danger around the corner. And we call it hyper arousal. It means that you're just always kind of keyed up and tense. You're waiting for the shoe to drop, right? You believe that something bad is about to happen. You're uncomfortable. Maybe you feel that. Physically also, maybe you feel it in kind of a rapid heartbeat. You feel it, you get a little short of breath. Your palms might get a little bit sweaty, right? Another, another symptom of trauma is that you can't stop thinking about what happened to you. Now, I don't really think all day about the guy who punched me in the face, okay? And let's be real. There are, there are so many different kinds of trauma, okay? I'm lucky the guy didn't shoot me or something. Okay. I'm just bringing that up as a simple example. Okay. But he punched me in the face. I don't think about him every day, but some people who, who go through really difficult things, you know, um, I've had, I have a lot of friends on Skid Row. They've gotten beaten in the, in the park when they're, when they're falling asleep, savagely beaten. I mean, they can barely see the next day. These, these people, it's so sad. And, and they think about, getting beaten every day. They can't get it out of their minds. They think about the event. They replay it in their heads. They, 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 you know, they see it, they feel it, that they have what we call flashbacks where they're experiencing it. They feel like they're re-experiencing it every moment. 
They have nightmares when they go to sleep. They're getting beaten in a park again. Okay? That's not a very comfortable way of falling asleep. When you, you feel like you're getting beaten in a park. Right? And you can imagine how horrible that is because sleep is so important for mental health. We're going to talk about that in future episodes that sleep is literally one of the most important things you can do for mental health. And in homelessness, it's, I mean, think about just, just, just if you're, if you're struggling with homelessness right now, if you're not struggling, just think about how hard that is on the homeless community. That not only are they, are, are folks, struggling with homelessness not only are they just they have all this you know all these dangers around them but they can't even sleep right they can't even get sleep so they can't even always benefit you know improve their mental health that way at least right so this is this is challenging this is very challenging and when you when you've experienced trauma a lot of folks i know on skid row they have nightmares they they just think about this stuff all day and they re-experience it. Now, what do you do when you re-experience trauma? What do you do when you feel unsafe and you feel so tense and anxious all day? A lot of folks, uh, and it's not actually a lot of folks. I want to I want to kind of rephrase that. The body has a way of kind of numbing itself out, right? When the pain is too difficult, the body, the brain, it just kind of numbs every emotion out. Okay, so this is also what you see with folks who have been suffering with trauma, right? They numb out their entire experience. So the world is kind of flat. It's kind of blah. Their relationships are kind of stale. They're kind of, you know, just bland. All emotion is really shut off to where a lot of folks who were traumatized, they just, they don't really feel much. They don't look forward to much. They don't... And that's because it's it's a lot of times the, the feeling is very dangerous. Feeling can invite some of these memories and experiences, and that's very painful. And so, you know, some of those same circuits in the brain that involve feeling danger are also those same circuits that feel pleasure. And so when you shut off those circuits... And, and everything's kind of numb to protect yourself, you also, we also tend to numb out pleasure. And when pleasure's gone, our relationships, our future, our hope for the world, everything else gets kind of smaller, right? And so these are also signs of trauma. A lot of folks can feel really intense or unpredictable feelings, feeling overwhelmed, being kind of irritable or moody. You know, um, I can get kind of irritable sometimes when I feel unsafe uh, walking around, you know, and, and maybe that's my, my way of, of trying to protect myself because when, when someone's trying to talk to me, you know, when I'm walking with a friend who's trying to talk to me about how his day was going, I'm not always that nice because it's not that I don't love my friend and I want to hear about the problems he has with his ex-girlfriend, although I don't really want to hear about that, but, Okay, let's say I did. I'm not trying to be rude to him, but at the same time, I think it's my mind and body trying to say, hey, Tommy, Tommy, focus. Focus on your safety. You don't have time to hear about his ex-girlfriend. And my anger or irritability is sort of a primal caveman way of just saying, hey, 
get, get out of my head right now. I'm trying to, you know, stay safe and protect myself. That's what I think is going on, um, at least with me. And I have had a lot of friends on Skid Row who, who, who have that anger. And, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes in mental health is that anger is trespass. I'm going to say that again because I really want it to resonate. Anger is trespass. Okay. And to me, that means that when you feel angry, somebody has trespassed on your emotional property, right? And when it comes to trauma, the way I see it, okay, these are Tommy thoughts right now. This is Tommy talk. Okay. I'm not, I'm not reading this from a textbook. I don't want to bore you to death. I don't want my listeners to go down to zero tonight and I'll just be talking to myself all day. Okay. But, but these are my thoughts, right? This is, this is sort of how I, how I perceive this. Um, and, and I think, I think when, when, when you feel angry, you're trying to kind of keep your emotional property safe and anger is a tool to kind of keep others away from you so that you can focus on the threat in front of you. Now, as we talk about this, I, I, I hope all of us are appreciating the fact that, you know, these symptoms are protecting us, you know, but, but when the danger is no longer around, it's not really helpful to feel angry all the time. It's not helpful to, to feel like we're in danger all the time. It's not helpful to have nightmares and, and to be irritable or moody or, or cry or anxious. That's not helpful. The problem is with folks who are struggling with homelessness, they, a lot of times my friends on Skid Row are in danger. It's really unsafe to sleep outside in an alley. You get beaten. Things get stolen from you. There's drug use. There's, there, there's a, there's, there's all kinds of abuse. And, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's triggers out there. There's, there's, there's triggers to use alcohol and Coke and meth again, right? The world out there is not safe. And so I hope we can all appreciate how complicated this stuff is. You know, 70% of adults have, will have experienced one traumatic event in their lifetime. That's 70%. That's a lot of us have experienced trauma. And I'll be honest with you guys right now. I looked for the statistics on homelessness and trauma. You know, they, they kind of vary. I've seen as high as 99%, 80%, 75%. I don't really care about those statistics today. What I want to say is that homelessness itself is a trauma. Not having a safe place to be at the end of the day is a trauma. It is a traumatic experience. It, 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 it changes the way we relate to the world. And a lot of these symptoms we talked about, sure enough, pop up when people become homeless because they're also the same kind of symptoms that are trying to protect them. It probably helps to be a little bit hypervigilant when you're on the street because there are people and situations to steer clear from, Right. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are the symptoms becoming so overwhelming that they're putting me in even more danger? And I have folks on Skid Row, friends on Skid Row that 
they are so tense from trauma that they're shooting meth. You know, they're snorting coke. They're out there abusing drugs that are laced with fentanyl. Some of them are passing out on the on the street corners. Okay? And a lot of it is because there's trauma. There's very uncomfortable physical feelings that that come with trauma. And when when you don't have a lot of other choices out there on skid row, you, you take drugs because they help numb out your pain and then bam, you're you're dead on a corner because fentanyl was in that drug. And we talked about, I really recommend everybody goes back to the fentanyl fast facts episode I have. Fentanyl, it's just like, imagine putting one or two, maybe one dash of salt in your tomato soup. That's how much fentanyl it takes for you to just get wiped out dead. Okay? It is an extremely deadly, dangerous drug. It's in everything nowadays. And... The danger here is that we we have trauma we've experienced. A lot of my 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 friends on Skid Row have experienced uh, trauma that is well before they were homeless. By the way, childhood trauma. Um, but you feel a certain way. You take drugs, and now you're addicted. Now you're you know, and that's all, those are those are new those are other episodes in the future, my friends. I don't want to get carried away. I want to stick to our topic. But you get how complicated this is, and when. So my, my greater point here is that when your symptoms get so intense that you start damaging your body and you put yourself in grave danger and even more danger than you may have been in before, then it might be time to get some help. There are, I can tell you right now as a mental health nurse practitioner, there are medications out there that are infinitely more safe than any kind of street drug that might be laced with fentanyl, right? We have medications and really good professionals out there who can sit down with you and properly screen you to understand what's going on. There's lovely people who are trying to get you housing assistance. They're trying to help you get sober. They're trying to help you qualify for federal and state programs that that allow you to get a little more healthy foods and bounce back. And, and, and maybe get you in touch with a trauma therapist or a good counselor or some, or, or some kind of faith-based leader who can help you out, who can pull you from the shadows and into the light. They're out there. They're better. They're safer. It's worth a try because what you're doing out there on the street, I get it. I get it. You know, every Friday I meet the most incredible people in the world on Skid Row, beautiful people who who all want to do better. They all want to secure housing. They all want to, to, to contribute and help out in the world. They're, they're human beings just like us. We can all become homeless tomorrow. We all, that's one thing we all have in common. Those are our brothers and sisters, and they're going through tough stuff. And I get why they use substances, you know, because they're trying to cope with some of the traumas that have happened to them. And there's not a lot of other choices in their minds at that time. But I can tell you right now, there are brilliant and beautiful resources for you out there. I say in every episode, almost every episode, that we are all one question away from changing our lives, right? Right? 
a lot of life is about connecting the dots. It's like everybody has a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And if you're listening to this right now, there are absolutely beautiful people who are desperately trying to connect those dots for you. They, that's, that's what they live, eat, and breathe. I've met them. They're great. They're out there. They're rolling up their sleeves. You've probably met them on the streets or in the shelters. These are great people. And you're one question away. When you ask the right questions, you're one question away from completely changing your life. And that goes for everybody, no matter where you are. Now, we talked about trauma symptoms. We talked a little bit about homelessness and trauma, right? And how common it is. And that homelessness itself is a trauma. My friends are getting beaten, robbed, knifed. They never feel safe. They have a lot of encounters with the police. My, my friends are very much on alert all the time. They're, you know, the city ordinances will change and they have to move. And that's scary because they don't know where they're going or who they're going to be around. A lot of times, too, folks who have been through trauma, because they don't really trust the rest of the world, because of the things that have happened to them, it's very hard for them to deal with these changes, to move their tent encampment to a different part of the city, to move or to be forced to move into a motel, to, to, even, to, to even get shelter. Shelter and housing sometimes is offered to a lot of folks who are homeless, and it's very hard for them because they have trust issues. And so getting to the root of these issues and changing the game by talking to a professional can really change our lives. And um, I, I just I just want us to all recognize that it, it you know being homeless is such a major it's such a major trauma. And surviving on the streets is so hard. And it might be worth seeking help when you just can't function anymore, when it's just too much, when you feel like it's not going to get done just on your own. And that's okay. That's completely okay if you feel that way. It takes a village. It takes a community. We're all in this together. We can definitely get to where we need to be if we do it together. Okay? It's, it's about doing this together. Now, let's talk about some practical tips, okay? I always talk about 478 breathing. I'm going to do a whole episode on this one day because there's so many great things to learn about 478 breathing. Uh, I've, talked with, I've talked about 478 breathing to prisoners in the past. I'm going to keep it simple, but 478 is a type of breathing that helps you relax. And sometimes that's all we need to do when we feel so traumatized and afraid is we need to just breathe and relax. Breathing changes, it literally changes your mind and body and helps calm you down. Four, seven, eight. You inhale through your nose for four seconds. You can do it with me, ready? One, two, three, four. Hold your breath for seven seconds. And then you exhale for eight. Okay. Four, seven, eight. Inhale through your nose. Hold for seven. Exhale through eight. Okay. It's important to remember that 
unfortunately, we can't control what's happened to us in our lives all of the time. But we can we can control how we feel. Not all the time, but we can control how we feel a lot of the time. And the most the simplest way to control how we feel is by breathing, is by practicing that 478. If you're in a shelter, you can practice 478. If you're on the streets, you can practice 478. If you live in your car, you can practice 478 to try and calm your mind and body because it is very hard when you're alone and you don't have resources and you maybe don't have a counselor to talk to or a therapist and you don't have meds to take. It's very hard to make sense of trauma and to talk it out when you don't trust people around you to talk to. Sometimes we have to just change the way we feel. And the breath is free. And the breath's been used for thousands of years. And it don't discriminate. Everybody has the breath. Unless they're dead. Okay? And, and so we need to use that. Because it's powerful. And it's very important. Um, I want to also mention out there, if you're a shelter or a church or, or, or halfway house, and and you're in the game here and you're you're you rolled up your sleeves your your sleeves and you're trying to help out first of all bless your heart um we need more people like you in the world um you know what i want to say is when folks have dealt with trauma it's very important we give them choices right we learned this in our in in, in school when i was becoming a, a, a psych np you got to give people choices and, and some of these churches and some of the, the rehab programs can be very authoritative. And, and please don't hear this as any kind of criticism. I know, I know it's much more complicated than that. I also know uh, in addiction and, and in, in homelessness, boundaries and structure are very important for very good reason. But I do want to just say a lot of folks who have dealt with trauma have dealt with very authoritative discipline disciplinary type figures that have been very hurtful and very traumatic and that that kind of control and punishment and authority can can be very hurtful to them and it can very much hold people back uh, i've had folks on skid row who you know they smoke a little weed and i don't endorse that at all don't get me wrong here but they smoke a little weed and they're kicked out of their shelter and and i i completely get that please don't hear me saying that shelters should change that policy. Again, it's there for very good measure. We have to make sure that there is no drug use, period, non-negotiable. I get that. At the same time, these folks are smoking marijuana. Now they have no shelter. Now they're re-traumatized. Now, you know, they're, they're, they're thrown out into the lion's den and in very unsafe situations. And so looking at this differently is very important. And and my, my off-the-cuff suggestion for those folks would be rather than kick them out of the shelter, there has to be some kind of sobriety plan or some kind of sobriety mandate uh, with a professional, with, a, with some kind of a contract, with some kind of a negotiation. But, but with trauma, we need choices and we need, we need to be safe. We need to have one safe face and one safe place right? Um, that's what we need. We, we need at least one person we can come, come, come home to and trust and believe in 
Um, and, and we need one safe place. And sometimes a shelter or a halfway house is, is all we need to get there. And that's so important. We're almost at the end here of this trauma podcast. I hope you learned very important things. Um, I'm learning with you, by the way. It's a beautiful journey, and I would love to hear your stories. I would love to hear feedback, recommendations. I would love to hear what your homeless shelters are doing out there. Um, you know, you, everyone who's listening to this is always welcome on the show uh, to talk about their experiences, to, to share resources, great, great ideas, inspiration. We'd love to have you anytime, any day. Um, I want to close off with a conversation about faith. We talked about this at the very beginning. Faith, faith, faith. Folks, if you're out there struggling with trauma, your brain, your mind, your body, your brain has convinced you that the world is unsafe, that tomorrow is riddled with danger and uncertainty, and that you should fear it and that you should not look forward to it, and that you should be on edge, and you have to slog through this crazy world in a way that is very unpleasant and feels very wrong. And I want to let you know that however terrifying that is, there is hope, and we have to have faith that the world we've experienced in the past is not necessarily the world we are going to experience in the future. We have to have faith that however difficult our lives have been, however horrifying, however abusive, however degrading our lives have been in the past, that is a sliver of reality. It is not the whole ball game. It happened, it's horrible, but it doesn't define us and it does not decide what tomorrow is going to be. We have to have faith that tomorrow can be radically better, that we can grow, that we can heal, that we can learn, that we can love, that we can relate to other people. We have to have that faith because if we don't have that faith that that's possible, it's hard to keep going. It's hard to motivate ourselves to get treatment, to talk to other people, to trust again. You see, faith is the way we overcome those hardships. It's the way that we can beat trauma by saying, you know what? I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I'm injured. I'm a little lamb on the edge of a cliff, ready to roll over and splatter all over the ground. But let me tell you something. I'm going to kick my legs up and I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to go back to a greener pasture because I believe, I believe that my trauma is not the whole story. It might have been a very big part of my story, but my story is not finished. My, my book is not yet over. It has not been written there are more chapters coming along the way. There are, There is so much more to my story. I have not become who I am quite yet. And who I am is not 
this trauma. This is something that's happened to me. This is my way of coping with it. But I have yet to discover who I am and what I'm capable of. And we have to have faith to believe that tomorrow will not be like yesterday. And when we recognize that a new world is on the horizon that feels safer and more beautiful and more kind and more inviting, when we, when, when we believe that that's true, even if we can't feel it, even if it's not here yet and it might not come tomorrow or the day after, if we have faith that that is possible, we can power through, get the help we need, and live a better life. That's what faith is about. Because when we go through trauma, it's not always possible to prove that in our minds. We are convinced that the world is dangerous. We are convinced that we, people should not be trusted, that life is not exciting, that there's no reason to hope. That's what our minds convince us. But we have to have faith that that might not necessarily be true under all circumstances. And that faith should give us excitement and zest and motivation to continue. And all it takes is just a few little steps or one question you can ask to change your life or a good friend by your side who understands you and trusts you and believes in you. You all out there have the potential to completely change the game. Trauma is not your fate. You will be brought out from the shadows and into the light. And I am rooting for you every step of the way. I'm rooting for your strength. I'm rooting for your courage. We know that underneath your wounds, there is a beating heart ready to go, ready to fight, ready to discover who you are. When those clouds can, can separate, a beautiful sun awaits you. We know it's there. We're going to see it. And it's going to happen. And I just, I'm so grateful for all of you. We're going to do more of these. Don't forget to please rate the podcast. Tell your friends. Write beautiful comments. Send me emails. And we have a new website streetstrong.life that's right i picked a dot life website dot com sounds like the 1990s dot store is stupid because i don't sell anything dot org is dumb because i'm not an org i'm a man with a mic dot life because life is beautiful and life is going to be wonderful if we just all Stay in this community together. Connect the dots. Keep fighting. Keep hoping. We got this. We got this together. I'm out. Love you all. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Street Strong. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with every single person you know who is struggling with homelessness. And remember that famous line from Mr. Rogers. When the day turns into night and you're way beyond my sight, I'll think of you.